Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Greetings, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. We have gone more along the eastern seaboard. Curve America taking over more of America. I'm Chris here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Tad is up in our nation's capital. Tad, how are you? The 202 misses you, my friend. The yeah. 202 misses you, but uh, less harsh winters for you. You're going to get more of that uh, that high humidity um, and uh, 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 disgusting heat. Uh, further down south where you are, um, so you know. But the two hundred two misses you, and uh, the two hundred two does not miss Marco, who is a bum for another week out in Minneapolis doing quote unquote work stuff. That's right. Yeah. So we are really all over the country after being out of the country for uh, a week. There, we had a great time in Italy. We all got to go over and meet up, uh, do some really cool things for the podcast and Curve America. How was your uh, time in Italy, Tad? Is that is probably the silliest question ever. Your time in Italy, yeah, how did it go? <laughs> for, for sure. Well, uh, it's fattening, is what it was. And <laughs> and you know what? Simmer down, Curve Americans. We're back, baby. I know we missed a couple of episodes right at a crucial time of the season: Roma, Barcelona, the Derby, and uh, and Roma, Roma, Liverpool. But hey, you know, we you, you don't know a good thing till it's gone. But yeah, man, Italy was, you know, it was, it was incredible, um, you know, getting to relive the uh, hashtag Rumble Wedding Derby, um, getting to, uh, you know, do all the, the video content um, that, that we did up there. And uh, for me, um, you know, kind of uh, one thing, in, you know, working with Reggiana was cool. Uh, sorry to Roma and Reggiana. We brought the, the goalless draw to both of those games. So right. two, two professional couch show games, and uh, we didn't get to see a, a goal scored in the entire place. And, and finally, besides you know, ha- celebrating my one-year anniversary with my, my wonderful wife, Leslie, who traipsed along to all these soccer things, um, uh, I, rediscovering Venice was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, you know, getting, getting the uh, – I know it's not your favorite place. It's definitely a tough place after dark because – you feel like you're in Labyrinth. But, uh, uh, you know, we had a great Airbnb hostess who, you know, kind of gave us a lowdown. And instead of doing what I did the first time, which was spending seven euro on a Coke, uh, getting lost between disgusting sandwiches, I discovered a wonderful Venetian pastime called Cicchetti, which is like like Venetian tapas. Nice. Um, where you eat them on the canals. I mean, you went with us that one time. You know, you yep. just get little bites and, and sheep cheap spritzes or cheap uh, proseccos so yeah i mean once again the beautiful boot made me fat made me happy and now i'm back in the 202 yep it's uh good to be back but visiting italy never a bad idea and the fact that we did some uh calcio turismo we got to see two games out of uh, seeing three teams over there really great trip and i i have to say being the only uh, bachelor on the uh, trip nobody died in any of the filming of curve america so we thank the significant <laughs> others uh, and the wives uh, for the trip. That was very good. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for Americans, the, the punch we're going to telegraph is we did a lot of great video content working with uh, the American teams owned by, uh, uh, sorry, the, the Italian Castro teams owned by Italian Americans with Roma, <laughs> Reggiana, 
um, and Venezia. So stay tuned for for what you know what what you missed in our negligible co- coverage of perhaps the most crucial part of Roma's season, which is near and dear to our hearts, will be made up for in the future with some great insight into uh, into you know basically curve Americans in in uh, in Calcio. Yep, we're uh, we, we're hoping for a big uh, project there. We did release one of the things we did, which was really cool in Italy. We got to meet up with our main man, the man, myth, and legend, Richard Whittle. He was gracious enough to give us some time in Piazza del Popolo there. Uh, always great to catch up with Richard and pretty good interview. We hope people caught that last week. Yeah, Richard Whittle, I mean, come on. If you're watching Calcio in the States, he has that great Northern Irish accent and, you know, is is, is a very, I don't know how we say, enthusiastic broadcaster of calcio and you know he's he's definitely brought us all into the danger zone with as much pace as we possibly can you know he's he's the podcast spirit spirit animal and a a uh, a fellow uh, uh romanisti uh if if, if he's if he'll admit that in, in public but definitely in private which obviously does not impact his his coverage of the games because he's always very even-handed but awesome awesome to see him again and sit down and just get to hear about Calcio and the games from a guy who, whose job is to travel around Italy and uh, and watch these games. Yep, Curve America's dream job. That's what Richard Whittle has. It's uh, It was always great to see him. And then to add just Champions League, we're in the mix of it. We pulled off a miracle with Bar- Barcelona. Richard was actually uh, at the, the home game for Stadio Olimpico, and uh, that puts us in against Liverpool. So we're recording this. Uh, uh on what's today yeah tuesday on tuesday it's tuesday uh yeah we're, we're still we're still not entirely over the jet lag and yeah. understanding what's up is down and, and actually you then moving a city yes. after coming back from abroad absolutely so yeah so we uh we know if we pull off a miracle tomorrow against liverpool at the time of recording we, we will be playing real madrid in the champions league finals so we continue to dream we'll be talking about that but uh it's been a pretty epic yep. uh, April for us, and uh, as we head into May first here. Hey, let's 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 catch up on on the work we all missed here, uh, uh, Chris. What what are your predictions for the first leg of Liverpool <laughs> versus Roma? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, uh, I, I think I think Liverpool might 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 go up five zero, and then Roma will bring it back just just a little bit and get two crucial away goals. What do you think? I'm gonna say chances are um, Mohamed Salah has a big game. That's that's what I'm gonna suggest. <laughs> You know, it's funny is uh, uh, we mentioned, you know, Curve America stuff. When I was over there, I got to meet up with a, another a commentator and friend of the podcast, Doug Dean. And he was telling me that uh, when he did his Roma replay coverage of the Roma Barcelona game, he, had, he did it the morning after the game. So he, of course, knew the result. And so he's calling this miracle game, you know, the, the morning after. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, it, it's not supposed to affect your commentary. But you get to come off as just a little uh, 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 prophetic by by uh, slightly hinting <laughs> that Roma just might pull it off. Just might. <laughs> so, at the time of recording uh, today, you know, Mohamed Law might just have a big game in Anfield against his former team, Roma. That's right. So we'll hold off our our predictions for tomorrow's game. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, I guess. But we have had an epic few weeks in Calcio. Uh, very excited at the time of recording tomorrow. We'll see if Roma has yet another miracle in their in their uh, back pocket here to to pull it off against Liverpool. We will see. 
And as we do that right now, I just remember to take work off starting at 2.30 tomorrow. So I will I will be at Four Courts beer in hand with the rest of the uh, – although I think I should probably watch it on a conference call like I did the second Barcelona game if, if, if I'm going to be a bit superstitious. Yeah. For uh, anyone – any uh, podcast paisani down here in Charlotte, I will be in the city and able to watch the game. If there's any place where I'm not going to be completely drowned out by Liverpool fans – uh, here in the city, please uh, get at us at Curve America on Twitter. I would love to have an idea of where I could go to to go nuts with uh, Roma Club Charlotte, if if one exists. <laughs> so with that said, Tad, uh, we've got a lot of action to cover for Week 35. A lot of implications in the games up and down the table. Why don't we take it off with the rundown? Man, we're out of shape here, man. Out of form. I got to get back to podcasting. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're, you're letting that, that, that air breath go out a little bit too far. Exactly, exactly. The Derby d'Italia turns the Cultural world into Alex Jones. Napoli's Koulibaly goes from hero to goat and go to Spa Fiorentina for their waxing. Ah, oh, poor, poor Napoli. Roma show at this point in time all they need is Alisson and nine other dudes to beat the wheelchair donkeys. OTFR make a huge sacrifice to the Calcio gods to beat Torino, while Milan, Atalanta, Fiorentina, and Sampdoria get ready for their last Europa spot, Royal Rumble. Crotone once again vanquishing all in their path in April, and the race for 17th is on in a big way, as Udinese, Cagliari, Crotone, Spal, and Chievo enter the reverse Serie A Thunderdome. There are five teams entering, only one will remain. All Five right. teams enter, one team stays. <laughs> yeah. uh, we want to remind everybody, we are on social media, so hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Curve America, all one word. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, ASRoma360, CurveAmerica.com, wherever podcasts are found. Tad, once they find us, what should they do? First, shout-out to ASRoma360, their coverage of uh, ASRoma continues to just get better and better so shout out to their staff and once you find us guys please subscribe rate give us a five-star rating and comment that's how small little wayne's world Serie A podcasts get found shout out to uh colonel senders who left us a nice review um while we were in italy uh shouting out to us and roma club dc so appreciate that colonel senders and we appreciate all the fanfare, all of the support that we get, um, you know, as we as we do this fun little podcast. All right. So I don't know if we're drinking tonight, Tad. I'm certainly not just yet. But uh, if you have a Peroni Nastro Azzurro there, I would love to hear you crack it open. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, can't 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 do. We'll, we'll get better at this uh, this, this <laughs> by uh, by communal um, podcast that we're going to be running now. But, uh, yeah, I happen to do have a Nashville Zero. I did go to the gym this afternoon, starting to work away that Italy weight. Um, but, you know, have to, have to have the Nastro take me back to Italy as we go through an awesome, awesome weekend of Italian calcio. Good for you, man. I'm looking for my Nastro Zero as I'm watching the game tomorrow. Until then, we recap week 35 and start off with the top five. <laughs> Up first, we've got Juve and Inter in the Derby d'Italia. It finished 3-2 in Juve's favor. The table leaders take this one. Non-Juventini calling a foul on the officiating. 
as Juve puts another nail in Napoli's Scudetto coffin. Go ahead, Tad. Yeah, I mean, despite this being an absolutely thrilling Derby d'Italia, and it's always good to see this game have the quality that it does and have the stars come out, um, you know, unfortunately for this one, is, is one the, the, biggest issue, the biggest story in this whole thing is the referee controversy, um, but, you know, it's not Calcio unless every once in a while, if Juventus is involved, like we said in the rundown, Everybody in the Calcio world turns into Alex Jones. Um, I'm sure Napoli fans are, you know, like Charlie Day in the Bird Law episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, or like Guy Pierce in uh, Memento right now, having ele- or or the the detail in the wire drawing out the you know the case to be made that Juventus is rigging the whole league. Um, and the controversy we see here, guys, if, if for those of you who haven't seen, but. Vecino gets thrown out in the 18th minute, or Sato sends him off um, after reviewing VAR. Um, you know, it's really tough to get sent off in the 18th minute for, you know, anything outside of, you know, full-on punching somebody in the face, especially in such an important match as the Derby d'Italia with huge implications, not only for the Scudetto race, but Inter trying to get that one of those top four spots um, in the Italian league. But, you know, it was a hard Super hard tackle that left that you know left Manzukish needing to get ten stitches. Yeah, that was so we nasty. got a red. Yeah, it was it was that definitely photo nasty. Was, photos out there on social media. It was gross. And what's up? What's up with all these uh, feet and ankle uh, uh, pictures that have been going around uh, social media this year with with all these aggressive tackles? It seems like the new thing to do is show the the foot battle scar um, in uh, uh, in Syria just to prove to everybody it's not a flopping league. Yeah. Um, so we got 10 men right there, um, and, you know, the game battles on and actually gets, it gets battled back to being equal, and we get late in the game where Pjanic, who picked up a yellow card earlier, um, you know, just has an absolutely careless tackle on this one, and he gets called for the foul, but no yellow card. You know, you got to think that, hey, if you're willing to send somebody off in the 18th minute, you know, on a straight red... You got Pjanic with a careless tackle sitting on yellow. You know why he doesn't get sent off for that. And while you know it's it's a bit fishy, you know there is universal agreement that this this should have been a call. It's it's you know it's tough. So we got these two you know kind of questionable calls going on here. But then it all gets conflated um, when a guy who ne- probably never thought he'd see his name on the front page of the Italian newspaper, the fourth official. Taliavento, um, supposedly they catch him on tape saying, uh, 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 now we'll win in, a, in stoppage time. So it, it has the great Shakespearean question, to be or not to be, is it adesso nel recupero vinciamo or is it quanto recupero facciamo, which means how much stoppage time. And of course, all that sets off a wave of Juve Calciopoli 2006 rigging the system to ensure and, you know, and they win, and of course they pulled out late in the 89th minute with the with the Iguain goal. Brings all this up. FIGC looks into it, not investigating it. Chris, we got a Juve, got a full blown Juve controversy with officiating nailed down to is the fourth official actually saying the one that th- basically a, a a cliche in Calcio is. Now we're going to win in stoppage time. What do you make of it? 
Yeah, it's uh, certainly there is a cacophony of noise here with the entire Syria community singing in a chorus of uh, not believing Juventus and, and uh, believing that there is uh, some conspiracy here. So your Alex Jones Infowars, uh, I think that rings true. I don't know. I'm, I'm not there with it. Um, you know, at, at, the more I read, it's amazing how many people truly are on on this bandwagon of just there's something here which i i think it gives it some credibility i'm not there yet personally i i think if uh if that were really in play the fact that napoli actually beat juventus and now we're suddenly in the next week and all this stuff happens i i just it's too too much of a conspiracy theory for me to to swallow so uh I'm not there with it. I think Juve is a very deep team. We know that going all the way back to the beginning of the season. Um, I don't think there's enough here for a uh, full-blown conspiracy theory. Well, I think Bernadeschi said it right today when everyone's irritated with Juventus because they always win. Um, you know, we always have this kind of the – they're the Italian New England Patriots, but right. there's no way that they could actually be this good. Yeah, Like that, there has to be – um, you know, it has to be cheating, but there's also like, you know, like Spygate, they have Calciopoli, which is a more, you know, egregious thing than Spygate or deflated footballs. But, you know, there's always going to be the team that you hate the most. Um, and when they pull out things like this in the Derby d'Italia, you know, fourth to last game of the season. And to be honest, Pianic should have been sent off, but, you know, to have it to be just so blatant that the fourth official would be audibly cheering for Juventus on the side and that Allegri is involved and all this. It's just it's just a little bit too Illuminati for me too. And what it comes down to me, if we're going to stick with it in Italy, is the great uh, uh, Latin expression, qui bono, who benefits. And I tell you what, if Juventus is rigging the league to win their seventh straight Scudetto, uh, you know, to beat the, uh, to beat Inter in the Derby d'Italia, you know, seen by all these people all over the world, you know, how are they, if, if they get caught, how do they benefit? That essentially just destroys Calcio. Yeah. And it, it just, it just, it takes, it, it, it knocks the league back 10 years. And, and I would, I would think there'd be more something to it if Juventus hadn't won it in a few years or if it's, you know, and, and, the, and they need to get this crucial, I don't know, if, there, if, if there's just, if there's just was more at stake than the fourth to last game, you know, in the Derby d'Italia to win their seventh straight Scudetto. I just, I, I, I don't see it. Yeah. It's too much of a leap for me. Uh, but, uh, I think it, it just affirms, uh, as, as we're all agreeing with that, uh, you know, it kind of, whenever Juve is involved, you kind of see the game to val validate your own opinion there. Uh, I think a lot of fans just come to it already suspect of Juve and are just looking for reasons. Uh, oh. you, br you bring up this referee and just people are interpreting what they think they heard or what they saw. It's it's easy to do. I'm not gonna knock people for doing it. Um, just, don't uh, get me wrong. I want to believe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, everybody's a Napoli fan right now. Yeah. I mean, I you know, if you ask me right now, you know, a uh, 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 tip of the pinky finger or the seventh straight Juventus title. I mean, that would I would have some. You know, I I I would strongly consider. You know, uh, 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 having the having some sort of uh, deformed hand nickname. Um, because I'd be cutting off the tip of my picky, pinky finger to not have just another Juventus title. Because, you know, I mean, like, Napoli has assembled this machine 
that we'll talk about more in uh, uh, in, in Napoli's section, and it, it just seems like it's still not enough. And if this is not enough, you know, when, what's it going to take? Uh, uh, and I think it would take the, the plague would have to hit um, Allianz Stadium, uh, you know, every weekend uh, for the season at this point for this to happen. So yeah, I mean, I totally get it, man. I, I want it to be true. But at any rate, what it uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess I don't want to destroy Italian culture, but I want to believe. I would like somebody to come whisper in my ear, "Hey, you know what? The only way Juventus is actually doing this is they're cheating." So I could I could cry foul, and you could get my uh, 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 Calcio Wars YouTube channel where I where I looks like my blood blood pressure is way too high. Hmm. Um, but what this does is this puts Juve smack dab. In the Fiat, in the in the driver's seat of the Fiat Cinquecento for the Scudetto because of the Napoli result, which we'll get to in the next game. All they need is two results, and they, the three games they play are Ellis, Roma, and Bologna. You got you got to think it's it's they, they Juventus have to do something they've done a long time, and that's beat themselves for this not to happen. Yeah, I, I would say uh, just given how Hellas is looking at relegation, it's going to come down to Roma and Bologna. Roma, obviously, I feel like they could pull off a, a victory against Juve. Bologna, that's that's an even bigger miracle that uh, w- would be something else. But uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to, and, and I think you're right. Juve's in the driver's seat uh, because of the Napoli result, which is next. Before we get to them, though, Inter, was uh, this was a big game for them, too, because they're vying for that last Champions League spot between OTFR and Roma as well. So this loss hurts um, because Roma and OTFR both won this weekend. Where do they stand, Tad, with uh, with uh, three games left? Well, they have. Uh, I mean, they're they're in they're in tough. They're they're in tough spot. They don't control their own destiny anymore. They have two games that they absolutely should win. That they have to get three points to even be in discussion. Uh, they have to beat Udinese and Sassuolo. And if OTFR is able to drop points. Um, it could lead to the showdown, the last game of the season, where we'll be seeing Inter and OTFR, um, you know, going in uh, uh, for that last Champions League spot, which I hope is the case because that makes for an extremely entertaining last weekend of the season, and will have me uh, tracking down Inter Club, um, uh, uh, Inter Club Washington D.C. Um, and cheering for them like we did Crotone the last week of the season last year. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... They, uh, I got to give them credit for this one. They, uh, <laughs> they did a minute of silence for all the uh, teams that have uh, lost to Juve uh, for, for um, unseemly reasons. Uh, so I thought that was clever for their, uh, for their curva. Also, the TIFO they did uh, using Pinocchio there. If you haven't seen that on social media, Inter fans, well done. Very creative. Um, I, th- I thought that was clever. So. Um, well, and then this game happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, which is uh, is gonna be tough, but uh, a for effort on the on the uh, creativity. Um, I guess two, you got to think though, if Inter's gonna go through, Icardi's got to be the guy that takes him there. He's scored in this one, and while it seems like it's never enough um, to to beat Juve, they still have a shot at 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 getting that that coveted fourth Champions League spot or being in the Champions League period. And I think that the only way they can do it. Is Spalletti, you know, is Arcardi leading the way and Spalletti doing it tactically? Yep, that's uh, what it's going to take, and and uh, they've laid it out on the line. I mean, Spalletti saying he's going to leave if they don't get that Champions League spot. 
That's uh, his second big Italy club that he's walking away from in as many seasons. So as much as I've been singing his praises, that does not look good on your resume. Um, so we will see where Inter ends up uh, not controlling their own des destiny here is a, a tough spot for the Interisi out there. Hope, hopefully they get fired up because if you ask me at the beginning of the season, a top four finish, you got to think, is is uh, uh, is where they'd want to be. And they're allowed to dream big a little bit at the beginning of the season with that great run. But they got to fight. Yep, yep. It is definitely a fight. Uh, the next game, Tad, is the story of the Serie A weekend for sure. Napoli taking on Fiorentina. Napoli was going crazy before this game, the city of Napoli anyway, and you get this result. 3-0 Fiorentina, Il Cholito crushes Napoli and puts severe stress on Napoli's Scudetto hopes. The top story, gotta be Koulibaly. Last week, he's the savior over Juventus with that late go-ahead goal with the header. And then this week, a straight red after a VAR review early in this game, eighth minute, and it just changes the whole dynamic of the game. Well, what you, would you think of that with Koulibaly? Let's start there. Uh, uh, just your reaction <sighs> to the back and forth. I mean, you know, he's after he sees the result, he's got to feel terrible. But my my thing here is, like, if, if there was a conspiracy theory for Juventus, this would be a more viable one. Because, I mean, how are you going to throw this guy out right away? Um, especially after, you know, the result that Juventus has. Um you know that 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 would be the one that that would have turned me to conspiracy theory, but it's it's tough, man. It's tough to in a game with this implication, with this amount of implications, to just be booting people with the red card really early. It's just pretty liberal seeing these red cards this week, and that that one. I mean, I, I, it's just you can't have it. And I, you know, I, th I thought it was I thought it was a little harsh. Yep, and uh, kind of I I've, I thought back to Buffon's comments in Champions League for referees, right? If a referee isn't ready for the moment to step out on the field and fully understand the impact of this game and what it means and everything like that, well, you know, you, you do have to look at the referees, I guess. And, and so I, I saw it. I thought it was a foul. Uh, and it was just the whole thing is just messy because it probably should have been a penalty kick. They didn't do that. They said it was outside the box. And then they uh, gave the straight red. So just a messy card. yeah i mean like if it's a red card a red card should be a red card whether it's the first minute or the 90th minute or the or the 45th minute or you know the 60 69th minute hat um but like you have to be able to establish some sort of precedent unless it's blatant because it, it, you're you're throwing a guy out of the game yeah that and that they can't replace so i mean it's it, you just it wasn't enough for me to see him go the irony for this is uh i saw this today with Bali's agent uh, he's blaming all the Napoli fans for celebrating too hard after last week's W, which, like, how can you do that? Do, you know, your guy was the hero, and then he got thrown out of this game, and it's the fans' fault somehow for beating Juve, and they were too exuberant. It, it just the irony that that's coming from Koulibaly's agent, of all the agents that could have said something. Uh, that was an interesting little tidbit for me in this, in this I, narrative. I mean, did... Does, is Kule Bali's like mom or his best friend his agent? Because yeah. I mean, like, why is he saying anything, man? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if I were Kule Bali, I'd be like, you know, bro, be cool, man. I mean, if, if if you're gonna if you're gonna bring up anything, be like, yeah, it was a tough break for him, but remember that Juventus goal and how great that made you feel and how much you cheered for this guy to to, to go out this way, especially like Napoli fans, man. 
Napoli fans are like the Philadelphia fans of uh, of the uh, of the Serie A man. They're they're just not a fan base you want to cross. Yep, and I, you got to give them credit, man. The, the 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 photos and the videos we've seen coming out of Italy, the way they just took over Florence. Uh, credit to them, man. They are crazy about this team, and uh, still hoping for them. I got to be honest, just because I love the passion. I love the passion that they're showing. Not only do I want to see new. New blood at the top of the table uh, to, at the Scudetto, but I mean all the Napoli fans that I know too, man. They're they're desperate for the Scudetto. It means so much. Yep, and and so let's turn our attention to that, Tad. With the Scudetto race, their chances now because this was a huge blow to it. They got three weeks left, but uh, my takeaway from Napoli just leaving points on the table here is just you can't give Juve an inch. There there's no room for ser- for error in the Serie A with Juve up top. Uh, they're just too deep, and uh, you know they beat themselves for this season's race. I feel like that we we've talked about how depth was playing a crucial factor in the whole uh, season uh, of of where this was going, and it ends up being that you know they couldn't afford this one game, this 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 close to the end. Fiorentina is not a bad team. We'll talk about them next, but they uh, man, uh, you you drop points and Juve takes the title. Simple as that. Well, I saw today, too, that, that Sarri is going to bench Hamsik for Zielinski in the next game, and I'm like, dude, a little, little day late and a year or short here on this one. But I got, I got two things to say at this. At this point, basically, if, if Napoli pulls this off, this is going to be the biggest up since the Terminator 2. I mean, what we have right now is you know, Juventus is basically the T-1000, and Napoli is Sarah Connor dragging her leg, pumping a shotgun, trying to shoot him into the lava pit. You know, putting everything they have left in, into this whole thing and just, just hoping that, you know, the, the Arnold is going to come over the conveyor belt and, and, and put the capstone on this thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit leery of condemning Sari and this continuous or, you know, regular 11 or what, what, whatever anybody wants to call it because they haven't really been hit by the injury bug. And, you know, it's been a while since they've been playing in other competitions. So, it's just it it, it like it, it, it I, I don't really see that. I think the reason why they are where they are is because they have this incredible team chemistry and they stick you know to these players and they're kind of more defying the you know this this rule of rotation more than anything because they went in all for the Scudetto. And I think behind closed doors, Sari is like, this is what I'm going to do. Is everybody in? And the one thing that we've seen throughout the season is that you know yeah they all want to go for it they want their best players on the team and it's not like you know uh, i mean outside of of uh uh, uh poor what's his face um oh the guy keeps on tearing his acl uh milik milik outside of poor milik who's you know probably cleaning up on on uh, on uh tinder still um you know uh uh uh, uh they, you know, they, they've they've managed to stay really healthy. It's not like they had to go long spells without their best players. So I, I think that the, the tactic they did was just just try and bum rush the season. And right now, you know, if if if, if the shoe were on the other foot and they would have won this game and not and Juventus would have lost, we would you know we wouldn't be questioning it. Yeah. Sorry, uh, definitely part of the story as well. Last point on Napoli. There's a lot of talk of him going up to EPL and he offered after this game what I felt was fairly objective commentary on just kind of the state of Serie A compared to other leagues like the English Premier League and his point being that 
Serie A is going to lose fans if other teams don't have hope, if they if they just don't think they're going to win. And he didn't get sucked into the referee stuff with all this conspiracy stuff, um, to his credit, I felt. But uh, he did just make kind of the objective point that the English League, multiple teams have title hopes and that he doesn't feel that's the case for Serie A. And he thinks that the entire league is going to suffer because of it. And uh, it, I think the big quote was, if we impoverish the whole system, then even the rich will be impoverished too. And that to me, like, it is a bit of a dig on the Serie A, the league we love, that uh, it, it made me think, like, here in the States, where the league is very powerful, right? We, we do regulate teams and make sure that we do the best we can to um, make sure we have competitive games week in and week out. European soccer is not built that way and maybe you know Serie A as a league needs to explore that so it's not just Juve winning all these titles maybe they would benefit from you know an American model that would be interesting yeah I mean I can see that and how everyone would feel about that right now this week after this thing has happened but you know I mean there's always there's multiple teams with title hopes going into every season and you know yeah Juventus has more money and they have the two waves and they're you know they're built for the longevity but like it's not like they're thrashing the other teams with title hopes and what happened you know the Inter and 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 OTFR and Roma and Napoli I mean these are these teams beat Juventus when they go head to head it's what happens when they Juve beat never rarely ever loses or drops points teams that they have no business doing that to, and these other teams do. And you might be like, okay, Juventus has deeper pockets, so of course they can throw out world class players all the time. But I think that uh, uh, what distances themselves from them doesn't really have anything to do with what a way you can regulate yourself out of this as the Serie A. Like it has to do more with on the field. Um, you know, there's all these great coaches and all these great players. They need to handle business and not overlook teams um, and, you know, uh, uh, play to the last minute and get those late Juve draws and, you know, maybe a, an opinion of some people buy a few more referees. All right. We won't go there. We will not get sucked into the referees. <laughs> stuff. Okay. We'll finish off this game. Got to talk about Fiorentina because they won. He got a hat trick for Simeone. El Cholito dedicated all those goals to his father, Diego. And uh, credit to Fiorentina, Tad. I mean, they're fighting for Europe even still, and they're fighting for their city after losing their captain, a story. And it's been an unfortunate position of helping themselves, also helping a fierce rival in Juventus. Uh, surely they knew, uh, the, all of Italy knew, that, look, if they win today, that helps Juve out. And I think for all non-Juve fans uh, in the Serie A, you, you're aware of those things. It's just you, you understand how it works and the history of Serie A. It's on your mind, um, but you got to fight for your team. So Fiorentina, that's what they did. I also saw today players like Simeone and Chiesa, they're quick to credit what they're calling an extra force or an energy on the field since Davide Astori uh, has passed. They're all kind of talking about how they, they feel something. They feel like he's still out on the pitch uh, with them. I thought that was powerful because they have gone on a tear since, obviously, the tragedy. Um, and, and I think it says a lot about uh, a captain if, if players uh, who are still out on the field feel that way. Um, their history, yeah. that, that has happened, Tad. They've, they've taken points from all the big clubs except Juventus throughout the season. And uh, they were facing a walkout for Cur Curva Fiesole. 
They lost their captain, and now they're hoping for Europa. So for Fiorentina, it's certainly been a roller coaster season, but um, they should enjoy this moment right now because uh, they're they're fighting, and that's that's cool for Florence. That's cool for uh, Curva Fiesole and uh, Viola Nation out there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Chris. And I think that like, look, I mean, they're four points out of of the uh, uh, the last Europa League spot. And, you know, that was their goal going into the season was to try and get one of those one of those spots. And their last game of the season, they play AC Milan and Atalanta has to play AC Milan. So they have a real chance of, you know, riding this wave of tragedy into something positive on the season. And I think that if you're willing to look past, you know, oh, Juventus wins for seven uh, uh, years in a row and you're able to focus on stories like this, you know, throughout the whole table in the Serie A. I mean, this is great for Italian Calcio, and it's great for the city of Florence that, you know, th- this team can bind together and show that they're almost bigger than the game and have their, you know, the young superstars drag them to a sixth-place finish for them, which is a real possibility considering the form they're playing in and the fact that they could end up controlling their own destiny in the last game of the season. That's what makes the entire Serie A or the entire league, you know, just incredible and worth watching with all these great stories. And Fiorentina, I mean, it, like I said, to me, like the, the story of the season, if they were able to come up and, and get into Europe. Absolutely. We will see for that race to the last Europa spot as it unfolds. Let's go to Roma and Chievo, the game close to our hearts. This one finished 4-1 in Roma's favor. Roma doing their part to make sure the Verona Derby is a Serie B affair next year. They beat Verona in the second half 2-1 despite going down 10 men on a questionable red to Juan Jesus. What did you think, Tad, of this game? I mean, watching this game, you know, we're bagging on referees. The first two games, this one's no different. Third straight game at the top of the table where I have absolutely no idea what the ref was thinking here. And this is where you can kind of pull back from that conspiracy theory that it's Juventus trying to... uh, 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 you know, steal the lead because they're so far ahead of Roma, it doesn't even matter. Um, that uh, unless they're vicious and, and just want to see them out of out of the out of Europe completely, they're playing the long con. But you know why there is no VAR on this PK and just the just the the terrible calls left and right going in Kieva's favor almost universally this entire game just had me dumbfounded. It was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately the theme for Week 35. In all of our first three games here, we're talking about the uh, referees. It's like the NBA at, at uh, the All-Star game. It's just uh, that's part of the narrative for the season, which uh, is it's tough to see. Fortunately, though, it uh, didn't affect Roma in this one because Allison coming up huge on the PK save. Uh, Allison, continue to be a stud. Yeah, this, this, this PK, I mean, it saved the game for Roma and, like, honestly did a huge thing to save the season for Roma because at this point, you know, it's 2-0, Roma's up, they've just gone down to 10 men, and Bobby English is getting ready to Bobby English Roma with 30 minutes to go, and you know what's going to happen at that point if if he knocks this one in, everyone's going to go, it's Roma going to pull another Roma, they're going to draw this, they're going to, you know, they're going to put themselves and take take the destiny out of their own hands, and going through the Champions League. 
and Alisson. I mean, he's he is the Mohamed Salah of this season. He's been he's been the biggest reason for our success. God bless him. We also uh, have to mention the goal scorers here. We got a duo up top, Schick and Checo. They dazzle in this one, and they we needed both of them to have fantastic performances versus both Kievo and Liverpool. What did you think of them here? I mean, it's so refreshing to see both of these players uh, uh, play well together, especially in that 4-3-3. I mean, where was this all season is probably whatever Roma fans ask themselves right now. <laughs> Schick, I mean, his, I mean he's, he's, had a, he's had a renaissance, you know, in, in the last – you know, half dozen or so games. He's he's played extremely well in almost every game. You know, back to back games scoring a goal. Um, you know, I think we're down to you know about thirteen million that we're paying per goal for Schick at this point, and uh, uh, and to do it in the four three three with him out of position, it puts some hope in your heart that he's not just a one trick pony having to play one position. That these guys can play well together and hoping that you know Jacko sticks around next season but you know the one thing that this gives to me is I've read today that EDF is planning on sticking with the 4-3-3 and so like he did the big shakeup uh in the lineup uh, I mean not, not tactically uh, it won't be tactically for this one but tactically in the lineup against Barcelona that put us through you know is is him putting in Schick instead of uh, uh, Under, if Under's you know 100% elf, healthy, is that his shakeup? I mean, who do you prefer in a 4-3-3? Schick, who's come along strong, or Under, uh, uh, who's been the uh, uh, you know basically been the 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 darling of the second half of the season? Yeah, I'm uh, continue to be a metrics guy, so Under's going to get my vote here. I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm still down on Schick. I still haven't forgiven him for that first Juve game when he missed the breakaway. <laughs> And he's got two goals for Roma in league play, and they happen in week 34 and 35 out of a 38-week season. I will forgive him if he gets multiple goals tomorrow against Liverpool. All is forgiven if he steps up in the biggest game of the season of maybe Roma's uh, Champions League history here. Um, so he, he can get redemption from, from me, not like he's looking for it, but... I would definitely go with Under uh, just because of the metrics. Yeah, I mean, Schick's got that hot hand. Um, you know, to me, it's such an all-or-nothing game that, you know, if EDF is willing to shake it up, whether he sticks with Under or whether he puts in Schick, if, if, he, if, he, if we go through because of one of their performances, this will be the wildest thing I've ever seen in sports because the, the crazy thing for me is, the big question we had going into the season is who is going to play right wing in a 4-3-3. And now we're talking about two informed players, and they're both guys that are super young that we bought in the offseason, uh, thanks to Monchi. And, I mean, I, you know, if, if, if you put a gun in my head and say i got to pick one, i got to say Under. Um, but, uh, 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 but, you know, I mean, Schick, He's 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 a big guy, and uh, in, in maybe he's the spark we need. But I, I got to stick with you on this one, Chris. I think Under, you rested him, um, and you know if he if he doesn't come out guns blazing, you can always bring in Chip Chick to sub him off. So we will see uh, if the dynamic duo can step up. If Chick is actually going to play tomorrow, we will see. Let's turn quickly though to Kievo. Because they are dropping down to Richard Whittle's favorite phrase, the danger zone. The only p 
positive we saw out of this game was from, as you mentioned, Bobby English getting a goal later in the game. He missed that PK, but uh, it's just all bad news for Kievo. They're three weeks away from the end of the season. They decide to fire their coach, Ilmister Maran. Uh, they've got some big games coming together with Crotone, Bologna, and Benevento. So not, not really hard, but they're all going to be fighting for staying out of relegation. And then, Tad... They pulled a move today. What did you see in the papers today about what Kievo was going to try to do to stay up? So Kievo, things are all playing out for what I wanted to have happen in this relegation battle, that if one Verona team is going to go down, we thought that was going to be Hellas, I want the other one because Kievo, just, they're just painful to watch. Um, I was so glad we dropped four on the founder of the city of Verona, 3,000-year-old uh, Sorrentino. Um they're, they, they've realized that there is a big leak in this boat and they need to do whatever they can to plug it. They're, they're selling the home tickets against Crotone for a whole one euro. <laughs> and my, my, fan, my question to this is if, if Kievo's gonna, fans are going to pay a euro for this ticket, are they overpaying? For the uh, product that has been put on the field, I think it's a fair question. But... Uh... They're going to be scrapping, man, fighting that relegation fight. I think it's going to be like the Coliseum up in uh, up in Fair Verona here with uh, people just clawing it out, trying to stay up in Serie A. I would say that they should do something like give a free ticket uh, you know, for every year that Sorrentino has been alive, but I don't think they have that many seats in the stadium. Yeah, no, it's a small stadium. <laughs> so we'll uh, close out uh, Forza Roma playing Liverpool at the time of recording tomorrow. We will see if they have another miracle in their bag. It's going to be big. We also encourage, if there are any Romanisti in uh, Rome uh, tomorrow, certainly adhere to what uh, Totti has said, what multiple Romanisti have said. Do not uh, do any violent stuff to Liverpool fans. That is not the message we want to send as Serie A fans, as Roma fans. We hope everyone enjoys the game, and obviously we hope it, it becomes an Italian uh, result, a good result for them, but... Uh, we certainly want to have a positive reputation in the world as well. So, yeah, of, go through with a clean conscience. <laughs> go through the clean conscience, but go through because I have my uh, Kiev tickets purchased and my hotel booked, and I would like to go see one thing that I've never thought I would see in my life, and that is a Roma Champions League final. That would be pretty amazing. Uh, so let's go next to our uh, fourth game of the week. We've got OTFR and Torino. This one finished one nothing in OTFR's favor. Milinkovic Savage gives OTFR the win, but they pay the price. Tad, you got this one as well. They win one zero. Milinkovic Savage with a game winner. Beast had her great season this year. Lots of talk about uh, 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 people paying a massive amount of money for him to to leave the Serie A. But Immobile goes down, seen in tears on the bench. Now it does not like a hamstring, you know, it's not like a like an ACL tear or anything. It seems to be a, a thigh strain. And the team doctor though, and, you know, says he's going to be out at least ten to fifteen days. But the rub on that one is best prognosis. There's only twenty games left in the season. Best thing that can happen for uh, OTFR, short of a miracle, is that he's back for that last game against Inter. Chris, what is a no Immobile? 41 goals in all competitions this season out due for OTFR the rest of the way going forward. Yeah, they uh, already had a thin bench. That was an issue for OTFR. I've been saying it for at least the past eight or ten weeks. 
I feel like they've been cracking, and this is just another big crack in the hole for OTFR. They're in the race for that Champions League spot, um, but I would say Inter, they're, they're going to welcome this uh, uh, as, as news that might help them in their chance for a, a Champions League spot. It, it is bad news for OTFR if Immobile goes down. The only thing I have to say on this one is, is if we're continuing on my Calcio Wars television, my next conspiracy theory after seeing this news is, there is a God and he is a Roma fan. Yeah. So tough break for OTFR fans. Uh, it's it's going to be really hard to replace his production and take nine points going through the rest of the season um, to, uh, 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 to ensure their own destiny. Um, I mean, the only thing with this one with Torino is, is they've had a tough season. They've fought and they've clawed. They've changed. They've upgraded in coaches to a more handsome man. Um, They've seen the rise and fall and perhaps the re-rise again of Belotti. I see that Urbano has, is willing to put him in the in the bargain bin a little bit this summer to raise some funds. The only thing they have for them for the remainder of the season is to play spoiler. Um, they play Napoli to seal their Scudetto fate or they uh, can sink Spall um, down into the danger zone. So that's the only thing they have left to play for is to try and ruin other people's seasons. Yep. So, so maybe potentially a story like Fiorentina there of just fighting for themselves but still putting up a good fight and it affects other teams. We will see how the Bulls finish off the season. Let's finish off the top five games with Atalanta and Genoa. This one finished 3-1 in Atalanta's favor. Strong game for the boys of Bergamo. They got two first-half goals from Barrow and the only Brian in Serie A, Cristante. Ilicic drops the dagger in the 74th minute for Atalanta, and so there's your goals. The only positives for Genoa in this one, Miguel Veloso in the 81st got one, and then super sub Giuseppe Rossi hitting the post, still acting exuberant on Twitter with that New York Giants second pick and running back uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Tad, you uh, interacted with him a bit on that on Twitter, am I right? Yeah, I was super excited about how... um... You know, I, I, I tweeted at him, and he tweeted back at me. And then I realized that I was tweeting about the New York Giants. And any Calcio hating I've gotten on Twitter so far, it's not in the same league as somebody saying something possibly slightly against the Giants to the New York sports fan. So I was immediately jumped all over, and I had to really fight the temptation to uh, uh, prove that I was right. But just to let everybody know on Twitter, I was right. Uh, the Giants should not have picked should not have picked Saquon Barkley at two, but at the end of the day, Giuseppe Rossi, yeah, he's we're now best friends. God bless him. <laughs> he's uh, he's the second man in my in my in my uh, uh, re- vow renewal uh, uh, wedding row behind Daniel Rossi. So we got a spot for you, Giuseppe. There you go, go big blue. I'm with Giuseppe on this one. Happy we got a good pick at the second uh, with with uh, Mr. Barkley. <laughs> The other big news for Genoa, Tad, Mr. Ballardini, Il Meester, gets a contract extension through 2019. I saw that. So clearly, if he gets an extension, the goal was no relegation. And I would say that mission is accomplished uh, because at this point, they're not going to do much else except be safe from dropping down. Well, they they were in dire straits when he came aboard. And he apparently had the uh, the the, the, enough of a fire extinguisher to put out the dumpster fire that was G- Genoa that was trending towards relegation. So if he's able to right the ship, he's obviously a, a, a smart guy 
um, deciding to bring Giuseppe Rossi back. So we'll see. Genoa, I mean, they they were playing trash early on, and they've, they've really played a lot better. We will see. So with that, let's turn our attention to Atalanta, staving off Milan for that last Europa spot. We seem to feel differently about Atalanta, Tad, on uh, this podcast. They're just... They're comfortable finishing near the Europa spots. If they don't get it, it's not the end of the world. But they're always in the mix for it around that, you know, 5-6 spot on the table. Not challenging for Champions Leagues no matter what. And then other teams like Kieva, we've just been drilling because they only want to finish 10th, which is just middle of the table. So why do you think that is, Tad? I'm curious why we kind of, we love Atalanta and there's other teams who are kind of complacent with a little bit lower on the table but we don't feel as badly about uh, knocking them as much. Well, I mean, for one, the first thing is I really think the Bergamo fans, when they're not being racist, um, are just a joy to watch and are hilarious, and they travel, and uh, uh, they're really behind the team. But two things I'll say to this. One, if you watch Kievo play and you watch Atalanta play, Atalanta is at least trying to score goals. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to win games, whereas Kievo is just trying not to lose. Kievo would be happy to uh, finish the season with 38 points on 38-0-0 draws. And the other thing I would say to this is Atalanta, if the season ends today, qualifies for Europe in back-to-back seasons. And they've done it with young, exciting, dynamic players and uh, able to hold on to Papu Gomez. And, you know, they... They're, they're just not built to make a Champions League run. They're able to, in the past two seasons, they've gotten a great coach. They've set their eyes on a prize, and that's a European berth. And you got to remember this year, man, they're playing in two tournaments, and one of them, the Europa tournament, sorry, three tournaments, uh, but the Europa League tournament, they acquitted themselves really well, got a couple big wins for the Serie A. So that right there. And, you know, that the, the most exciting player on, um, on Atalanta's team is uh three million years younger than Sorrentino yeah uh, I don't know what it is but Atalanta is a feel-good story they're they are like the Utah Jazz of the Serie A it's like beating the Thunder wasn't expected in the playoffs this year but we'll take it we'll enjoy the moment that's kind of how I feel Atalanta approaches life like they went pretty far in Europa they almost pulled it off against uh uh Borussia Dortmund it didn't go their way but hey it was fun while it lasted that narrative compared to Milan, who we're going to talk about next, just the Europa money, how long, how far that would go with financial fair play, because all that is about to hit Milan in the summer. We're going to talk about that next. But Atalanta, just it feels good to root for them uh, for, for whether they pull it off or not. They're just fun to watch. So we will see. They're in the driver's seat right now. Interesting anecdote I, I just read on the Internet. You bring up the, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder is that uh, Sorrentino and Carmelo Anthony were high school classmates. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Continuing. Way back in, in 4000 BC. <laughs> You're going to throw Carmelo into uh, before Common Era, huh? <laughs> Did you see him in that game seven? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry, right. sorry, New York fan base. That's all right. Um, all right, Tad. So that finishes off the first five. We are still getting back into podcast mode here. We're going to take a quick break and finish off the second half.
first after the break, the sixth game, we've got Milan versus Bologna. This one finished 2-1 in Milan's favor. Milan, dispatch team meat sauce, but may have to pick a basket to put the rest of their eggs in. Tad, your game. Go ahead. Well, first of all, I'm going to start off uh, just another VAR con uh, controversy in this one. Um, a goal was disallowed by Palacio in the box because um, he had a handball that he was at you know point-blank range, and so a goal that went in for team meat sauce didn't go through. The only reason why I bring it up is because Donadoni, your man, and again, another New York root, uh, 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 guy with New York ties, said afterwards, the weaker sides always pay the price. And maybe the translation isn't one-to-one, -one, but if I'm a Bologna fan, I'm like, these last get three games are going to be rough if, uh, if we're being referred to as the weaker side against Milan. That would just rub me the wrong way if my coach is saying that. Yeah, um, really, we're the weaker side. All those, all those push-ups that, that Destro's been doing, maybe, maybe they're slightly stronger. Um, but the, the, the side on this one is, is Milan. They still have something to fight for. And I have two questions for you on this one, Chris. One, you know, Milan, with all their stuff in the front office and these crazy things that are going on in financial fair play, and Young Hung Lee uh, and, you know, Silvio Berlusconi sniffing around, they have all of that stuff swirling around. Gattuso, the legend of this, a legend of this team, has had them charging back, has put them in position for a Europa League spot. Is Milan actually a feel-good story on the field? Like, a, maybe not to the, the extent of Fiorentina, but one of these teams you want to feel good about this season? Pulling for their history because it would be important for Serie A. But, um, you know, compared to... Last week they lost to uh, Benevento. You know that's a feel-good story for me. The fact that Benevento knocked off a giant, but uh, for Milan this season, it's it just the, their story to me feels like one step forward, two steps back. Um, the the whether they do good on the field with Gattuso coming on, and then no matter what, financial fair play is is in the mix as well. So I don't think I could call them a feel-good story because I I just think the gathering storm clouds for this summer it's gonna it's really gonna ruin whatever they did on the field yeah there's a lot of truth to be said in that i guess what i'll say is that i feel good for gattuso i don't think a whole lot of people were giving him any sort of credit whatsoever and he's an legend of the of the azuri and for uh, uh milanisti it's good to see him have some success but it leaves milan in a tough position right now i mean they have the Coppa Italia final coming up against juventus um and they have three games left to push for Europa. They have Verona. You know, they've already lost to bottom table uh, 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 Benevento, so can't overlook that one. And then they have Atalanta and Fiorentina. They're two rivals for this spot. So they can essentially control their destiny on this one. So, Chris, is it more important to take the six from the Europa rivals and get into the Europa League tournament, or is it more important for them this season to get another trophy? Uh, I don't know. The first thing season we started with Curve America, didn't they win the Super Copa Italia out in Qatar? I mean, yeah, who, they did. When, when you really kind of stack the the uh, trophies, is is the Copa Italia one that you're really celebrating? Uh, I would go no. I, I would say you want more of the uh, Europa challenges. You, you want to do well in Europa. It's a bigger thing. That's where I am on it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, Milan has trophies for days. Well, it would be great to stop Juventus from getting the trophy. They won it last year. 
you know, I think uh, uh, getting into Europa League after their start with Montella at least ends their season on a positive note. And I'm sure if you ask Milanisti, they want both. Um, but uh, 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 I think Europa League, despite how, you know, I mean, they, they, they didn't do terrible in the tournament this year. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, you got, you got to, you got to dispatch the teams around you to at least establish yourself as, Hey, we're a top six side in Italy still. Yep. All right. We'll see how Milan finishes off. Let's move to our next game with Sampdoria and Cagliari. This one finished four, one in Sampdoria's favor. Sampdoria, the season Cinderella can keep dreaming of Europa by creating a nightmare for Sardinia's Cagliari. Little play on words there. Getting back into the podcasting rhythm. Yeah, yeah. That's a Chris. That's a Chris Ross, the boss joke right there. There you go. Uh, first point on this one: mid-table Sampdoria versus relegation risk Cagliari. Both needed this game for different reasons. Sampdoria, with this win, are four points off Atalanta for that last Europa spot with three games to play. So, you know, challenges uh, across the table for different reasons. So that that last Europa spot, you we've already talked about it. Atalanta, Milan, now Sampdoria, also in the mix. You got three games to make up four points. That's a fun race to watch uh, for mid-table. On the other side, you got Calgary after the loss are just two points above 18th place there. That's a legit chance of going down to B. I have visions of uh, Empoli here for Calgary. Just the last day, going to lose a game, and then suddenly they're going to get relegated to B. Um, that could very much be in the cards for Calgary here. The positives for them in this game, Barella. The only bright spot for him, even if Pavoletti gets another one here, Tad, uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, Barella's, you know, he, he's the class of this team. He's he's Sardo born, shark circling in the water for him, you know, being linked to Juventus. Um, and Pavoletti, you know, he gets he gets another goal in this one, but, you know, the, the highest paid, highest transfer in uh, Calgary's history at $12 million, you know, I think that... Uh, I think they might get this down to a bargain. I think they might be paying about three million, two point five million per goal for this guy. Um, you know, hopefully he can use some of that money and 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 get his teeth fixed. Oh, we're not supposed to be doing that one. Yeah, just chalk it up to a, a, a bad Michelle Wolf joke. Yeah, no, no uh, commentary on on people's looks because we're not <laughs> doing so hot in that area ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I would I would give all that I own to wake up tomorrow to be Pavoletti. <laughs> <laughs> Other news for Cagliari in this one. Uh, they brought in Coach Diego Lopez, the long-haired Lorenzo Lamas-looking mister midseason. Reports indicating that he's going to get to stay, at least for now. I, I'm going to say that that's great, but we still have three games left, and they're only uh, uh, four points away from relegation. Sorry, two points away from relegation. Um that's a hot seat for the next three weeks. I would say that he's likely going to be gone if relegation occurs, but for the time being, it looks like he's safe. So we will see what they do out in Sardinia. Until then, we move on to our eighth game of the week in Sassuolo and Crotone. This one finished 4-1. Crouton Nation rejoice. Crotone playing like it's April 2017, and my God, they're going to stay up. They are going to stay up. Go ahead, Tad. Yeah, I mean, there's just, I guess my new vacation home will be in the, in the where, where does Crotone play out of again? Calabria. Yeah, but my vacation home will be Calabria in the months of March and April um, and early May go forward because there must be something in the water there that makes you strong like bull. Um, or uh, maybe they just uh, are, are as hard as stale bread. 
Um, first off, we'll get Sassuolo out of the way. They were actually unbeaten in their last eight games. They had a, a little bit of a riding of the ship to uh, put them out of the deep ranges of the danger zone. And the goal scorer for them in this one, the lone goal, is Berardi. Remember him? Yeah, and, of course, he scores on a PK. They're trying to, in the last few games of the season, just really get him going by, uh, get, by getting him on the score sheet. But the big story, Crotone. Five points clear out of the danger zone for the hashtag race for 17th. And, I mean, there's just so many parallels, as, as you know, we've both just been saying of this March and April, these two seasons, where apparently it's the best calcio uh, that could possibly be played in the region is at this time. And it's such a similar run to last season. And where last year they had the Dirty Rooster, uh, Falch, Diego Falcinelli leading the way. They got, you know, Simi leading the way of this one. Simi, Simi, y'all, yeah, Simi, Simi, yay. I mean, Chris, they're your team, man. What about this run? Crouton Nation rejoice. Uh, it does feel a lot better. Last year was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I bought a jersey because they stayed up on the final day, and they need they were watching two other games at the same time. So I will never forget that. Made me a fan for uh, their Serie A days for sure. This one, uh, if they can do better than uh, uh, 17th uh, like they did last year, that's what I'm hoping for for Crouton Nation. Their uh, coach here, as you everyone knows, Davide Nicola, walked away, and we've got Walter Zenga in on this one. And he was just kind of commenting how this team knows how to fight because of last year. They've been here before, and I just think they're ready to roll. It's like uh, David Akers walking out of that Cowboys uh, uh, at the NFL draft, calling out the Cowboys and just, let's go. Bring it on. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, a little NFC East. Uh, David Akers, though, he needs to get a little more bass in his voice if he wants to talk trash like that again. And, uh, I mean, if I were Cowboys fans, I'd be like, the kicker? Come on, yep, man. the kicker. That's right. <laughs> you got to love the NFC East. So we uh, continue to watch for Crouton Nation. It looks uh, like we can be comfortable at least for one more week. We will see how the last three weeks unfold. Up next, we've got Udinese and Benevento. This one finished in a 3-3 draw, a wild, wild game. My first point with Benevento here is how much I'm going to miss them in Serie A. That is what the story is for Benevento. They are fighting for nothing. Already mathematically relegated to Serie B last weekend, and they are still fighting. They are playing their hearts out. When we talked to Richard Whittle in Rome, he had the same thing to say about this uh you know, uh, little club. They they just fight, and uh, I just love them. I I love what they're doing. They uh, did not concede a point to a juggernaut like Milan this year. Goalkeeper Brignoli gets the header for the first draw, and then last weekend they beat Milan with a one nothing win. Now they get three goals, three goals for lowly Benevento against Udinese, and it was back and forth. The only difference with this story is. It could be a Disney movie, but there's no Mickey Mouse magical happy ending. We know with the with the relegation coming, that's how it's going to go. But my God, I have enjoyed covering them. I love how they're at least fighting every game. And even if they give up a goal in the last two minutes, at least it was fun to watch and, and fun to uh, dream for Benevento. Yeah, they came up with Syria talent. You know, there's very few moments of hope for them this season. Um, but they did all they could, and every single Benevento fan worldwide can feel like they got their money's worth for their maiden voyage in Syria. Um, no shame, no shame in going back down for them. Hopefully, we'll see them back up in the Syria real soon. Yep. Compare this to like the attitudes from Kievo. I will take Benevento twice on Sunday. Love it. 
uh, would uh, like to see more of that for uh, Syria. The other side of the ball, we've got Udinese. They're kind of playing the Cruella de Vil in this Disney narrative. They just fired Massimo Odo and replaced him with a former Juve defender named, I kid you not, Igor Tudor. So with a name like that, it, it, we just don't get much more villainous than uh, this bullet point here. Uh, yeah, he, he sounds like an executioner. Yeah. In his postgame, uh, this had three lead changes in this game against lowly Benevento. So, you know, after this game, what do you have to say? That's football. That's soccer. Sometimes these things happen. For us, it was important to get something on the board to get a point at a place where Juve found it difficult against a team that beat Milan. It's okay. So, again, turn our attention to Benevento here. That's the team he's talking about in those post comments that lowly Benevento. Juve had trouble against them, and Milan got beat. This is a team that's getting relegated, and Udinese, who is going to stay up this season, giving him all the credit in the world. Uh, I like it. I like it. So... I wouldn't be surprised if Igor Tudor was Rasputin's real name. Yeah, right. It does have a, uh, a villainous feel to it. So, well, I'll just leave it that uh, I, I'm glad that Igor felt it necessary to heap on the praise for Lestrege. They earned it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the time with Benevento the next three weeks we have with them. Well, of course Igor is going to heap on praise for the witches. There's, some, there's a witch in every generation of his family dating back to uh, the birth of Sorrentino. There you go. It's a theme for sure, Tad. <laughs> Let's finish off week 35 as we get back into podcasting mode with Hellas Verona and Spall. Boy, we got a toilet bowl to finish off this week. Finished 3-1, Spall. Go ahead. Just run with it because Spall is getting out of the danger zone. What did you think about this game? Well, the uh, uh, Spall gets out. They... I mean, we say it a lot, but it's up to them to stay up in Serie A. Um, you know, we've been a fan of them since day one when we went up to Umberto's Pizzeria and complimented uh, uh, them on having Spall's jersey on the wall. Um, you know, just like Benevento, this team has gone from it, gone for it from day one. They have not played for ties. They have played to win this entire season. And it looks like Crotone last year, they might be rewarded right at the end, just as long as they can they can hold on to it. But on the other side, Verona, Laters, you know, I mean, if, if they're going to go down in those, you know, like we said, uh, a, a Serie B team with Serie A jerseys, if they're going to go down, we're not going to have them around. I want Kiva to go back down with them so we can at least have a derby in Serie B in Italy next year, which Serie B this season was excellent. So, hey, go down there. Uh, 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 get some more practice and we'll see you soon yeah coming from the top here I'm just I'm so bitter about Verona for their two clubs their their president Maurizio Setti after this one said it's pointless to sack their coach Fabio Pecchia right now basically just accepting relegation it's gonna happen what's the point of firing our coach so just he did give some reasons saying that the players never quit on the coach the coach wants it he shelled the fans saying that they've been complaining since day one and uh, he feels that the club is healthy, but they need to reorganize. It's just it's just the wrong attitude that, like, when yeah. you compare te- yeah. teams like Benevento or, um, you know, potential teams like Venezia who may be coming up, like, they want to win. They want to really do something. And so if you're just saying, well, it's pointless, like, like what what is there to get excited about if, if that's your attitude? Like, it, it's just it's uh, disheartening. So 
Uh, Maurizio Setti definitely sounds like the kid who flips over the Monopoly board, the, the Monopoly board before the game is over. Um, you know, just just come on, man. <laughs> yep. Take your ball and go home. Hashtag butthurt. Yeah, yeah. So on that positive note, we finish off week 35 in the Serie A. So, Tad, this is the first of many uh, East Coast versions of Curve America here. I hope uh, people enjoyed it since we're further apart, but enjoyed this with you. We got a big game tomorrow with Liverpool. You'll be with Roma Club DC. Uh, so tell all the boys I say hello. If there are any Romanisti in this area down in Queen City, down in Charlotte, please reach out to Curve America or Roma Club Charlotte on Twitter. Uh, l- hoping to uh, find some fans to uh, watch the game and the rest of the season with. So that's my shameless little plug now that I am a resident of Queen City. Yeah, good luck down there, man. Let's get let's get that uh, that Curve America, that Syria revolution rocking in, in, in Charlotte. Um, Crotone Club USA and Roma Club Charlotte. Absolutely. We will be back next week, hopefully with Marco back on the podcast. Until then, ragazzi, diciamo, we say... Subscribe, rate, and comment, and arrivederci. Ciao, 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 ciao.